0: I hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I often ask a question as I start, and here's the question for today. If you look back on your life, however old you are, whether young or old, and you look back on all the opportunities and the time that God has given you in your life, have you made the most of it? Hmm, here's an interesting, you don't have to, You don't, it's just for you to ponder, okay, you don't have to actually give me a feedback on this one, rhetorical question, you know. If, or here's another way to put it, if you could do your life over again, what would you do differently? This is where you turn to your marriage partner and say, I wouldn't do it any differently, I married the right, you know, <laughs> and turn to your kids and go, yeah, I'm grateful for you. But, Pondering on those sorts of questions where you ponder on the question, have I made the most of the life that I've been given, begs another important question in a Christian context, and it's this, am I accountable to anyone else for the life that I've been given? See, most people in the world wouldn't think about that, they wouldn't consider that, would they? They'd just go, hang on, I'm only accountable for me, and I'll do what's best for me? Or maybe they get married and they think, well, what's best for us? They have some kids, what's best for my family? But beyond that, they don't really think about, well, am I accountable to anyone for my life? Like, okay, we're accountable at work or study or whatever, but for my life as a whole, do I have to give an account for that which I've been given? And the God, uh, God makes it very clear in the Bible that we are accountable. We actually stand before him one day and we give a report on how our lives have been, how we've lived our lives. And you might think, oh, maybe I can bluff it at that point. Well, not much chance of that because as we've seen in this series where we're looking at knowing God and what he's like, we've learned that God knows everything. Imagine giving your life an account of your life to someone who knows every motivation you've ever had, every priority that you've made, every action that you've done, the reason why you did it. Hmm, That's worth pondering on, isn't it? Hebrews 9 verse 27 says this, And just as each person is destined to die, you know, it's one of those things, as we say, You know, we're destined to die and we're destined to pay taxes. Well, here's another key thing in life that won't change. And after that, face judgment. Or, in other words, give an account of your life. In other words, God's going to say, what have you done with what I have given you? What this scripture and many other scriptures in the Bible make really, really clear to the whole of humanity, not just Christians, this is to everybody is that we will all face judgment. A judgment day is coming. And that's not just for Terminator. That's for everybody. It's a non-negotiable, okay? It's just a fact of life. The reality is that in the future, you will be judged for your life. You will be called to account for it. It actually shaped a whole lot of Jesus' teaching. And I'll give you an example here of it. In Matthew chapter 12, Here's an example where we often pull out the main point of the Scripture, and the main point of the Scripture is that we should be careful in the words that we say. But have a listen, and you'll see that behind those words, and actually behind all his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount in particular, was that we would face judgment one day. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that every one of you will have to give an account on the Day of Judgment. Notice the context there. For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. God hears every word that you say. Mm, That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But notice that Jesus, the context that Jesus frames this teaching in is he's going, hey, think about what you're doing in your life now because there will be a judgment day in the future. And this certainly framed the teaching of the early church as well. In Romans chapter 14, verse 12, Paul says this, so then each of us will give an account of our lives to God. That's, there it is in black and white. We will all give an account of our lives before God one day where he goes, okay, I've given you these gifts. I've given you time and your health and your opportunities and the relationships around your life. What have you done with it? And what will, it, what will that look like one day? It's a really important truth of the Christian faith. It's, a, it's kind of one of those clear things that we have to be really confident in. And even as we share our faith with others, this is an important aspect of sharing a faith. It's probably not the first thing that you're going to say, but it's a it's a kind of an interesting question to pose. Uh, over the years I've had um, and you probably have as well, um, some religious people come to your door like Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and people like that. And uh, this is one of the questions that I pose to them. It's a very interesting question to pose because I kind of listen to them for a while and okay, yeah, yeah. and I say, hey, look we may have different interpretations of how we see the Bible and you've got your religious belief and I've got mine. But here's something that we can agree on is that we will face judgment one day. We will stand before God on judgment day. Do we agree on that? And they go, yeah, we agree on that. Because by the way, we all agree on that one. So it's very clear It's in in, in the scripture. And I go, now, what are you going to hold in your hand? What are you going to say on Judgment Day. Now, that, how people answer that question is very revealing as as to where their, theology, their theological background comes from. Because if they're relying on their good works, they'll say, well, I did a whole lot of good stuff and I think God will let me in or I'm relying on Jesus or whatever. However they kind of answer that question tells you a lot of their thinking about God and judgment. So just... Interesting tip out there if you're kind of sharing your faith. But here's the main point that I want you to consider today. How does the fact that you will be judged one day, that you will give an account of your life one day, whether Jesus comes back or whether you die and then face judgment, either way, when you, have to, when you face Jesus one day, does that change how you live in the present? And the question is, how does that change how you live in the present? What, that, what does that look like? Now, that's kind of the, the big point that we want to look at today. And if, if everything else I say kind of confuses you a bit, because we're going to get into some deep stuff here, then just come back to that question. And just, if you just ponder on that question today, then, then that's okay. and that, that's all good, because that's the main point. But... The reality of God's judgment raises another couple of important questions that we'll look at today, and it's in relation to this series of Knowing God. One is this, what is God like as a judge? Like, if, if you're going to court over a fine or, you know, you've done something wrong and, and you know you have to be answerable for it, it would actually be good to have some insight. Is The judge that I'm going to face, is he going to be like, pretty gracious and kind, or is he really harsh? Uh, when, when I grew up uh, in a little town down south, um, there were only two people in my town that took you for a driving test, you know, for your licence, and um, one of them was really gracious. He was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, drive around the block, it's all good. And then the other one was like as strict as, like even if you rolled back a little bit when you did your hill, hill start or you you didn't get your you know parallel park just right, he was like, nah you failed. And, and everyone at school was kind of talking about it. Who are you going to get? You know, you're going to get this guy or you're going to get this guy, you know? What is God like as a judge? That's a really important question to know. Who are we facing up to? And the second question is, probably just as important, is what are we going to be judged on? Like, what is God going to be looking at? If, we, if the reality is that we're going to face judgment, then those are two really important questions. So let's look at the first question first. What is God like as a judge? Psalm 97 says this, The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. What the psalmist is describing here is that God is a just judge. He is fair in his judgments. Actually, we should rejoice and how good God's judgments are. Because if you imagine the other scenario that God is kind of wishy-washy in his judgment or he's not fair in his judgment or he's evil, that is a horrendous thought. Imagine coming before a judge that's not just. And what, this, what the Bible is very clear on is be confident that God is a fair God. He is a just God. He's not going to punish those who don't deserve it. He's going to reward those who do deserve it. That's how God works. He is a just judge. And the reason he can be a just judge is that God has all the knowledge needed. He has He knows everything. And because He has all knowledge, he can make a just judgment. Uh, years ago, uh, I think it was, it was it would have been in the 90s. Uh, Jinnia and I were living in Dunedin, and you would have remembered this horrendous crime that happened in around the mid-'90s at the time was uh, the Bain murders. And, uh, of course, we were were very much in the thick of it. We were living in Dunedin at the time, so it was kind of front and centre in in everyone's minds. And since then, there's been multiple uh, appeals, and, um, you um, you know, David went to prison, and he's got out of prison, and the question still remains, doesn't it? Did he do it? Did David Bain do it? Did Robin Bain do it? Like, what what happened in the Bain household that that morning of, of the murders? And the problem is, in our situation and in, in in our world, it's difficult sometimes to have true justice. Because we don't have all the evidence. We, don't, we can't gather all the evidence, all the facts that we need to make a just judgment. Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes it's abundantly clear. You know, it's, you know you've, we've got video evidence or eyewitness evidence. It's like, okay, this person did that. But many times it's like, well, we don't know. Whereas with God, what we need to know is he's not in the dark on this. He knows who you are. He knows what's best for you. He, kn- he created you. He knows what he's given you. He knows what he's imparted into your life and what you can do with what you've been given. And so he's judging you on that. He has all knowledge. And he's not going to have a bad day. He's not going to change. It's not like you're going to get God on one day and you go, oh, you know, he's having a bad day. Chris will deal with that... Um, Uh, next week, where he talks about God's consistency. But God is consistent in his judgment. He's not going to change, you know, one day judge one person one way and another person another way another day. He is just. And his love and his holiness and his grace all come together in that judgment. He doesn't divorce one of his attributes from another. So we can be confident that God is a just judge. That's sort of answering the first question. However, there is an objection to this. Many people in the, in the world would say, I'm not so sure that God is a just judge, because here's why. Would a just judge send people to hell? It's a, it's a, it's a fair question. So let's, let's address that question today. John 3, you'll be familiar with this passage, I hope. But if you're not, let's read it together. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved, in other words, his motivation for coming to us is that he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what do we learn from the scripture? We learn that God wants people to have eternal life. He doesn't want to send them to hell. Next verse, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to send the world to hell, but to save the world through him. The whole purpose of Jesus giving his life for you is that you would receive his life and go to heaven. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, doesn't go to hell. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of of God's one and only Son. So what we learn from this is that God wants everyone to have eternal life. The person that moves in this situation is not God, it's us. We are given the choice. See, what the Bible makes very clear is that to go to heaven is to be with Jesus, to be in relationship with God, to be where God is, to be with Jesus. Hell is simply the place where Jesus isn't. Now, there's a whole lot of other descriptions of hell, but as far as the Bible is concerned, this is the primary definition of the difference between heaven and hell. Heaven is where God is, hell is where God isn't. Now, it's when you understand that, that this verse sort of then comes to life. Because what Jesus is saying here is that on Judgment Day, God doesn't get out the scales and go, okay, how many good things have you done with your life and how many bad things have you done with your life? And let's, let's just see how it all sort of weighs up. Well, you know, there's kind of the myth about arriving at the pearly gates and Peter going, yeah, yeah, let's, let's check that out. You know, those are nice, fanciful stories, but they're not biblical we're not weighed up by our works. We're weighed up simply on this point. Are you choosing to be with Christ or have you rejected Christ? That's it. That's your primary judgment. And, and God's going, hey, I want you to be with Christ because that's life. That's goodness. That's That's what i will always wanted for you. But if you choose to reject Christ, if you choose to live your life without Christ, that's fine. I will honor your choice. Live for the rest of eternity without Christ. That's okay. You've had your way. God simply goes, his judgment is, if that's what you want, then then you've chosen your side. And another way to look at this, if you um, are aware of the Chronicles of Narnia, Uh, In the Chronicles of Narnia, there's two very clear sides. There's the side of those who side with Aslan and and, and Narnians, or there's the side that goes with the White Witch. And you've got to choose. You're you're either on one side or the other. And Edmund had to kind of work that out. But the important point here is it's not that God's justice has changed. It's that we have moved positions. God is a holy God and he will always consistently be angry at sin. He'll always be angry at evil. As we are, we see what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment or other tragedies around the world and it grieves us. We're angry at that. We're angry that evil happens in the world and God is the same. He is angry at those things and when we choose to live our lives without Christ, we move into a place where we experience his anger, we experience his wrath. And he goes, I don't want you to be there. I want you to be here where you enjoy my goodness and holiness, and here's the choice of how you do this. And it's not, being, it's not about how good you are as a person, it's how, whether you've believed in Jesus or not. We need to lay that out really clearly, because that's the gospel, that's the Bible. And God will honour our choice. So is God a fair and just judge? That's the question that we are answering. Does he send people to hell? Well, yes, he does. But it's only because he's honouring the choice that they've already made. We send ourselves to hell. If we go there, it's because we've chosen to go there. So let's address the second question. What will we be judged for? That's a really important question. And as we've just seen, one of the most important things is that we will be judged for whether we've accepted Christ or not. Again, like I just said, it's not about how good we've been as a person. That is an absolute myth. Good people do not go to heaven. You need to hear that. Be really clear on that. In your presentation of the gospel in in our lives, we need to understand that good people, by that I mean people that work hard at being good and doing all the good stuff in the world, they aren't necessarily the ones that go to heaven. You could be a good person and reject Christ and still go to hell. That is possible. It's not good people that go to heaven, it's forgiven people that go to heaven. Focus on being forgiven. Because we've all mucked up. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. So we need to put our trust in Christ and we'll look at that a little bit later on. But the important thing is if we choose Christ, if we choose to apply what Christ did for us on his cross and through his death and resurrection to save us from our sins, then we move from the witch to Aslan, we move from Satan to God, we move out of evil into light, we move into God's righteousness. As Colossians puts it in Colossians chapter 1 we read this, once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that good news? That is what the Bible is all about. That you will stand before God one day and trust me, you don't have to go through every aspect of your life and go, "Have I done all this good enough stuff to get into heaven?" No, you literally just have to say, "I'm with Jesus." Him and I were good. And God goes, "That's good enough for me." Because the holiness of God, the holiness of who Jesus is, will be resting upon you. And that gives you access to heaven. That gives you access to eternity. And if you haven't worked that one out yet, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that today because it's important that you don't leave here today until you've got that nailed down. Your salvation secured for eternity because you will be judged one day on whether you choose to follow Christ or not follow Christ, reject Christ or accept Christ. So make that decision today and be really clear on it. However, it is not the only thing that we're judged on. Now, this, this is gone a little bit deeper now, but let's, let's dive into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. Now, the context, I need to give you a bit of context here. Um, the context is Paul writing to a church that's got a bit divided, They got into a bit of a popularity contest rather than staying focused on the gospel and, and Jesus at the centre of the church. And so some of the church are going, hey, I really, really like John T., so I'm going to follow John T. And then others are going, well, yeah, but Warren's still pretty okay, so, so I'll follow Warren. And, and, and Paul's coming in and going, look, it's not about Warren. It's not about John T. In this case, it's not about Apollos. It's not about Paul. It's all about Jesus. But listen to what he says about judgment in the context of sorting all this out. Verse 5. What after all is Apollos? What after all is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. In other words, what Paul is saying here is all of this is not about us. It's all about Christ and his kingdom. By the grace given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should build with care. Okay, he's going into a metaphor about building here, but just apply the metaphor to life. Each one of us should live our lives with care, or build our house with care. Okay. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Or Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day—and you'll see in your Bible—it says a capital D there for day, or is it on there? Yeah, it is on there. Whenever you see—by the way, whenever you see that in Scripture, it means this day of judgment. It doesn't mean just a day. It means this critical day in history where we are. Judged for what we say judgment day. Will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. It will be revealed by the judgment of God. is another way to put it. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet we'll be saved. In other words, so this is, notice the context here. That This is to Christians. He's saying, hey, you, you'll be saved. You've chosen Jesus, so you're in. That's all good. But even though only one escaping through the flames. So the image that Paul is giving here is we will stand before God on judgment day, okay? And step one is God goes, did you choose Jesus or not? And you go, I chose Jesus. And he goes, okay, you're in. And then he goes, now, let's look at what you've done with your life. Now, let me be very clear. What we've done with our life, our our good deeds that we do for Christ, are not determining our salvation. So let's be really clear on that. That's already decided. But they are determining how God uses us in eternity. And if you want to be, if you're not sure about that, you're going, oh, hang on, hang on. I need to check out this theology. Read the devotional notes. I've done five days of devotional notes just on this point, so to just make it very clear. Right throughout Scripture, and even those devotional notes are only taken from the book of Matthew. So even that book alone, you can see that there are rewards in heaven for God's people. And God is looking at how we serve him now to reward us in the future. And you might say, well, what are those rewards? Well, those rewards are him being able to give us more responsibility in his kingdom. If we serve faithfully now, he goes, well, you can serve in my kingdom in the future. Now, if you don't serve God faithfully now, now you still get into his kingdom, but you may not have the responsibilities in the future. And, And by the way, there won't be any regret. When you get there, you'll go, yeah, that's a a fair call. Yep. No, they they get what they deserve. But the the point that Paul is getting at here is that our values around all this are so messed up because we apply worldly values to this good work and this reward. And he's going, no, 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 no. And, And the example that he uses here is popularity, which is a big deal in our culture, right? It's how many likes we get on Facebook or uh, on Instagram or whatever or, or how famous we are. And he's going, hey, that counts for nothing in God's kingdom. That that doesn't matter at all. What matters in God's kingdom is are you faithful to the call of God that he's placed on your life? Are you doing what he's called you to do? And when you do it, when you faithfully do the work that you've been called to do when other people look at your life do they look at what you do and they see Jesus through it do they look at you and go are you trying to puff yourself up and build your kingdom or when they look at what you do they go man why is that person doing that and you say it's all about what Christ is doing through me and they're directed to Jesus if you keep directing people to Jesus and you keep honoring Christ in your life you will get a reward in heaven That is the clear teaching of Scripture. But if you are out to do all this good work to see, hey, look at how good I've done, then there's nothing. It's like (laughs) the image that's used here, I think is such a powerful image. It's like hay in front of a fire. You know, and, and or, or precious stones in front of a fire, and and you know what happens? You know, we we have a um, a gas heater here that we use sometimes in the winter time to just lift it up the temperature up a bit. And apparently, right in front of that gas heater is about eight hundred degrees C. Now, if I hold some dry grass in front of that heater, you know what's going to happen to it? Like, hey, eh? it's just gone in an instant. But did you, I I, I learned this fact during the week. Diamonds, we all know that they're one of the hardest of materials. It takes 7,000 degrees of heat. That's an incredible amount of heat to melt a diamond. In other words, they can tolerate an intense heat. And what Paul is saying here is when you come before God with your life and you're holding all that you're doing before him, make sure you're holding something of value that can withstand the fire that will be applied to it. Don't bring hay, because it's not going to last very long. Bring precious stones. What are those precious stones? It's honouring Christ in all that you do. So let me just be clear. There are two things that the Bible makes clear that we are judged on. One is aligning our lives with Christ's work on the cross. And the second one is aligning our lives with Christ's ongoing work in the world around us. If we are doing those two things, we can go confident into Judgment Day, knowing that God will be there to honour us and reward us for all that he's doing through us. So let's come right back, dial right back to that question that that we looked at uh, earlier. If you know that there is this judgment coming one day, in these two areas in your life. So in the future, you'll be judged for this. How does that change how you live in the present? In other words, you'll be judged on whether you've accepted Christ or rejected Christ. And you'll be judged on how well you are honouring Christ and all that he has given you. How does that change how you live in the present? I personally, every, probably every couple of weeks or so in my quiet time, I ponder on that very question. I I literally come before God and say, God, am I doing the most with what you've placed in my hands? Now, you might be thinking, Well, that's easy for you, Warren. You get paid to do all this religious stuff, you know, and and you know, it's obvious the call of God on your life and all that sort of thing. Let me remind you of a scripture just to put this in a little bit of perspective that humbles me a lot. James 3, verse 1, it says this. Not many of you should become teachers. This is probably going to put you all off preaching. (laughs) My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So I stand before God one day for what I'm telling you today. Because I'm influencing you and God puts a higher judgment on me. Let's be really clear on the fact that we will all be judged one day. The question is, is God a just God? Yes, he is. But the other really important question for us is, are we ready for that judgment? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.